Hello, we're back. <laughs> Talk with Eminem and our lovely guest, Marcy, Nahid, and Miriam. <laughs> Hello, Eminem <laughs> listeners. Thank you for coming after work, and that means a lot. She worked so late, and I think she get off like around six. And we try to feed her. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely. It was worth it. But yeah, thank you so much. And uh, we wanted um, Nahit in our podcast for a long time. And I'm, I'm very delighted to have you thank with you. us. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting um session it's our 20th podcast oh yes you i'm so special <laughs> thank you for having me yeah, hi marzi hi mariam and nahid <laughs> we've always been um calling you nahid or at least i was because we have the same name in farsi but it's nahid right nahid okay yeah so the right and everybody calls me nahid ah okay that's and even worse they call me other things too but <laughs> nahid is in arabic okay. and nahid is in farsi uh-huh. and we will agree on that <laughs> <laughs> which one do you like better nahid nahid yeah. okay the correct one Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. She has a lot of Persian friends, but <laughs> it's so funny that um, we were talking with one of the friends that they introduced me a guy from Cairo, mm-hmm. and his name was Ash. His name is Ash, and I asked him, "What is your name?" Says Ashraf, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Ashraf? That's a guy name. Mm-hmm. My aunt's name is Ashraf." Really? But in Arabic, it's a guy. Oh. Yeah, that you know, I think in a different culture, mm-hmm. female and male name are changed and sometimes you you see people that i hear a lot that they use like a different name for male and female mm-hmm. anyway Absolutely. okay back to the podcast and why you're here um we want uh, to know a little bit about your life we know little about you we know you for a long time but honestly Um, that's a reason that we have this podcast. We want to know more about the people that we love, we adore, and uh, sometimes, you know, we don't know anything about their life. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you see just the fade, faded color of um, your life. Mm. It's, a, it's a painting that it's not clear. Now, for our um, actually audience our little audience um, that they are listening to us and one of them dearly she's been following us it is our um, friend that she was the reason that we know you oh <laughs> yes solely yeah. yes solely yeah. yeah we always have a shout out to solely yeah. yeah absolutely she's glue to a lot of good friendships around yeah exactly she's a wonderful human yeah she is we want you to start Uh, this is our first question always, and everybody says, "Okay, what am I supposed to do? What what we want to say? What is the story? We want to tell us how far you can remember yourself." That's the first question Aww. that we ask. What is the first memory that you can remember from yourself? That's a really great question because that's a question that I ask in therapy people mm-hmm. all the time. That's <laughs> funny that you're asking me. Because nobody has asked me that question before. Um, I think a pretty clear memory that I'm pretty sure I didn't make it up was my first day of kindergarten. So I was a I was a young kindergartner because my birthday is 
late in the year. <clears throat> so I went to kindergarten when I was four. I started kindergarten when I was four. And I remember walking up the stairs at this really old school mm-hmm. as an old building, not an old school itself. And um, I just remember being very crowded and um, I was kind of like overwhelmed and got up to the top of the stairs, but my teacher was waiting for me. Oh. It's weird how I just remember seeing her and feeling like, oh, I'm safe. Here's this wonderful lady who's going to be my teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. This is your first memory. I and believe so. I don't remember. I don't know why I don't have anything that's interesting before then. then. I'm going to ask you later, but this is very interesting that sometimes we don't know the things that we remember. Is it something that they've been tell us, like, you know, our parents, mm-hmm. or we saw the picture, and this mm-hmm. this is part of a picture that mm-hmm. we create that memory, or it's a real memory. Mm-hmm. I always have this hazy uh, question or hazy thing. You you, yeah. you will tell yeah. us. Is there any way to dis- distinguish that and understand, is it an actual memory, or did we make it up, or did we, did we create it after we yeah. heard about it? Well, and, you know, I mean, from my field in the psychology and memory, it's a very tricky answer to tell people, no, that was a true memory, I'm pretty sure, because we could never be sure. Mm-hmm. How could you be sure? Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't hyper-focus on was it true or was it not, but mm-hmm. what did it mean to you? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, if it was shady, what do you remember about it and what did it you know, remind you of. Correct. And we don't really question the truthfulness of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. We just make it true to you. Correct. If it was true to you. Okay. I want you to introduce yourself to our audience and tell them what do you do right now? And then we're going to go back again and we're going to start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I am a marriage and family therapist. Um, I work with couples and individuals and children and adolescents and families, um, specialized and certified in sex therapy because I work with a lot of couples and that's always helpful and I find it fascinating. Um, so when I define myself for my job, I used to teach at university. I stopped lately mm-hmm. after COVID, didn't enjoy that experience. And um, I also sit on the board of the Boys and Girls Club to help children in our poor area to Mm -hmm. have an after-school program. We fundraise and kind of cheer them on. But that's kind of like my professional life right now. It's consumed by those three. Great, great things. Wow, that's exciting. Okay. I didn't know about that sex therapy. (laughs) That was the fun part. It's always the fun part. (laughs) People think that it's really fun, only if they knew it's mostly, you know, people have trauma related to that topic. Sometimes it's, you know, fun. Let's bring the sex back into the bedroom. But Unfortunately, most of the time, it's pretty traumatic conversations. It is. Mm-hmm. Very I true. You hear about all of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to? You go ahead. Okay. Tell us where you come from, um, Nahid. That's, that's a, I, I bet you have a lot of story to tell. Mm-hmm. Where did you go to school? How did you end up here? I don't want to say anything because I kind of know where you are coming from. I want them to hear from you. <laughs> okay. Well, 
at this point in my life, I, you know, always wonder when people say, I'm so proud to be whatever, you know, this country. <laughs> but I really am, I don't want to say I'm proud because I don't know what I would be proud. I was born there. But I'm just, I feel very privileged to have been born in Syria and lived there for 26 years of my life. And it was a really wonderful experience. I consider it a very, made me who I am. And um, I say it's a privilege because it just opened my mind to so much um, variety of what things can go wrong in life and how things can go right. And um, so, yeah, I was born there, lived there with my brothers and parents. Um, and, you know, life happened, a lot happened in my life. And I ended up, when I was 26, I ended up working at a national center, which was there's 13 international centers in the world that um, present themselves in third world countries that need help with their agriculture. And one of them was in Aleppo, Syria, my hometown, um, because Aleppo is very dry. And they came to help the whole region improve agriculture in dry areas. Wow. So people don't, like they can eat. Wheat is the main um, crop crop in Syria. So they were helping them sustain the, you know, growth of wheat, despite the fact that there's no rain, mm -hmm. hardly any rain, only like a couple of months a year. Mm -hmm. So anyway, circumstances um, forced me to work, I guess. I started working there when I was 22, maybe 21, 22. And um, I met this guy who was a student from Germany, who was doing research at the International Center. Um, and we kind of sort of, it's a funny story how we met. Okay, we can't wait to hear it's a that. Very funny story. So, um, I mean, we met at work, we would say good morning, whatever. He had a girlfriend, I think I kind of sort of had a boyfriend. Um, and then uh, one of my friends from work had left to go to New Jersey. She got married to somebody and went to live in New Jersey. And I really missed her. I was going through some really just kind of bored with life and just dead end and felt like what I'm just an administrative assistant at this fancy, you know, center that I really meant nothing to me. I was going still to college and kind of trying to graduate and um, so one time my friend sent me a letter and I had written her a letter. We used to write letters back then, you know. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and she said, "Why? you know, you sound really kind of bummed out. Why don't you come out and visit me? And I was like, ha, 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 how can I get a visa? That's really easy for you to say. And she was like, oh, just go try, you know. So he was passing in front of me and I was I was laughing about like, you know, just come, go try. And so he was like, oh, and he knew her. He he worked with her, you know, before. And I said, oh, this is this letter is from Magda, and she's inviting me to New Jersey. And he was like, oh, you should go. And I was like, really? <laughs> How am I going to get there? Like, he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you can't get a visa. You know, I'm Syrian. And <clears throat> he was like, well, I have an American passport. You know, I can get you into the embassy oh. easily. And I was like, mm, I don't think so. He was like, 
sure, I can, I can pretend that something's wrong with my passport and then I'll, I'll take you in there with me. And, and then they'll say, and, and, you know, I'll say, oh, thank you for adding pages to my passport. By the way, this is my friend. Um, can you please give her a visa? And I was like, oh, really? That's how we're going to do this? <laughs> like, yeah. So I was like, okay, sure. So we drove together to Damascus, which is five hours away. Crazy kids. And um, <laughs> and he did exactly what he said oh, he was wow. going to do, even though the line outside the embassy was like wrapped around the building. And I mean, it, you would have never gone in. <laughs> People just stand and hope that the door was going to open and they're going to let them in and their turn is going to come. And here I am. He's flashing his American passport. So we go in. Oh, wow. He tells the lady, <laughs> I need pages on my passport, even though he didn't. She was like, OK, fine, we'll fix that. And then he was like, my friend. And then she yelled at both of us. <laughs> as loud as she could <laughs> and she kicked us out <laughs> she gave, she's like how dare you you tricked us and we were, we were just like bye <laughs> i was like i told you it's not easy and um he was like oh wow i have no idea i was like yeah you just have no idea. You can't play the friendship That's here. Right. Oh <laughs> Things are yeah, a lot I, serious. I was really waiting to see how, what's going to happen because I didn't believe they would. Oh, actually, she like, was livid, like, and yeah, I mean, understandably so. But she was livid with him. She just gave him back his passport. Like, You're just playing this, and um, yeah. So we went to lunch, and um, and we drove back home. We just like, five hours. Just five more hours. Same day. Same wow. day, ha ha ha, Aww. and um, and then when we went back, he was like, "Oh, I really like you. Do you want to go out on a date with me?" You know that kind of thing. And you were both Aww. with the boyfriend and girlfriend. No, at that kind time, of. at that time, I think we had nothing. Not oh, yeah, okay. yeah. When I first met him, because I worked for four years until we actually started, like that happened. Mm. We were just colleagues. Yeah. We just. He works at a different department. I would just see him at work. Mm. I was really confused because he's German and American, and he wore cowboy boots all the time, <laughs> but everybody knew him as German. I was like, why is the German guy wearing cowboy boots? And sometimes a cowboy hat. He's not even from Texas. <laughs> and then I understood that his family are Germans who had immigrated to the United States. Oh, wow. Oh, that's what so it is. He kind of played it cool. He he was like, goes back and forth. That is amazing. What a small world. I know. Mm -hmm. And he's one of the sweetest, kindest people I've oh, ever met. Unfortunately, we never got good. to really spend much time in getting Aww. to know him. But um, you guys are always really sweet and beautiful together. He likes you guys a lot, actually, oh, by the way. We, sh we should mm -hmm. all hang out soon. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So you guys he's have a very been sweet married guy. for how many 32 years. Oh, wow. yep. oh, my goodness. That's been almost 33. Wow. Then you married over there? or you? We got married over there. And, um, you know, just no big deal mm -hmm. in an office. Actually, even our, we started dating, which in Syria means we got engaged. And um, then, so we got engaged in August, meaning we really started dating seriously mm -hmm. in August. And in January uh, of 1991, 
the Iraq, first Iraq war started. Oh. So all the employees of that international center were like, you need to leave Syria. Oh. This is dangerous. So he got a letter from the embassy that said, you have to leave. It's dangerous. He was like, you have to go with me. And I was like, no, we're not. You go ahead. You go right ahead. You know, I'm not going anywhere. Plus, nothing's going to happen because I know, you know, nothing's going to happen in Syria. This is just. Yeah, it was far. Iran and Iraq. Yeah, it it was between. Yeah, Iraq and Kuwait. It was was Kuwait. Kuwait. Yes. Yeah. Because I thought it was like Iran and Iraq. It was a 19. Yeah. Iraq and Kuwait. It was Iraq and Kuwait. It was very short. Yeah. But, you know, people like his mom was freaking out. It's like. Mm -hmm. What, what does Syria have to do with this? So he was like, no, you have to leave with me. And I was like, no, I can't leave. I'm not married to you. I can't leave my country. I'm not leaving my family during a wartime. He was like, well, they said they're going to do nuclear weapons. And I was like, oh, then I'll just die with my family. And nobody's going to drop a nuclear weapon. Come on, man. So he was like, no, but I don't want to leave you behind. I would feel so oh. bad. Back and forth, back and forth, like a whole day talking and then he was like let's just get married then if i married you would you go with me and i was like sure so he was like okay <laughs> okay so we went and got married oh, wow. literally like went to an office got married same day same day oh my goodness and um <laughs> then two days later we started packing that like i was leaving with him to go to turkey where all the employees had gone and then first we got a message from the employees in Turkey. Don't come here because they're bombing our wherever we are. We we're like, hmm, that's strange. <laughs> so, okay, we can go to Turkey. So we're like, oh, but what are we going to do? Now we got married. And then the Syrian president basically announced that he's just not going to get involved. And oh, everybody okay. needs to settle down. And, you know, the expats need to stay. And he, it's just safe. And we were like, oops, too late now. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best reason to get married (laughs) these these little accidents Mm -hmm. are creating our life i believe in fate yeah and they're testing Mm -hmm. they're testing Mm -hmm. the love because Mm -hmm. um, that's how you know you actually Mm -hmm. care about someone enough to to do something exactly yeah beautiful yeah i think it's you know i feel like it was fate like everything would go so smoothly you know Mm -hmm. I would say to him, well, then you have to come talk to my mom. He's like, okay. I'm like, is this guy crazy? (laughs) It's like he never said no to any. It's like, okay, fine. Okay, you're going to have to talk to my dad now. Okay. Where is he? It's like, what? What's wrong with this guy? Yeah. So it just, it went very smoothly. And then when that happened, it was like, okay, this was just meant to be. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Exactly. That's a man that belongs to the different generation oh mm-hmm. seriously I love that. yes I love that. yeah and that's the beauty i i i think we're getting further and further <clears throat> from what was so beautiful back then mm. and right now this new generation mm-hmm. it i i hear all the time that they break each other's heart mm. so easily and mm. so selfishly mm you know the, yeah, the, yeah making commitments yeah. sticking around trying to fix things. overthinking it doesn't, things. yeah it doesn't yeah. mean much to people mm-hmm. or to, to, to the new generation that's true as soon as nothing something doesn't work people just walk away whether it's mm-hmm. their job or their love life or whatever they're going through they nobody's sticking around to fix anything anymore yeah i mean you know you know i know that from my business but um 
I also feel like, you know, it takes a certain person to, you know, be courageous. Mm -hmm. You know, like Peter is a very explorative person. Mm -hmm. He's not scared. Like, let's go here and find out what's going on. There's no planning. There's no fear about is it going to work out or not. And and that's just, you know. Who he is. Yeah. I think it takes a certain person. Good. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you guys finally went back and got the visa with the same this people time for real yes <laughs> yes did you saw we like did it's just yeah okay mm-hmm. did, you she saw her again <laughs> yes we had to be interviewed separately like on yeah. that movie whatever it was called green card right what yes called? green card <laughs> we had to be separate yes we did two windows though not like in yes office. Uh-huh. we uh-huh. said yeah <laughs> Yeah. Then you guys kind of lived a little bit of your marriage in Syria. In Syria. We lived there almost for a whole year. Oh, okay. We got married in January. We left in September. I'm sorry. The war was in 1990 because I left Syria in 91, I think. No, maybe it was 91. Um, yeah, we got married in 91. The war was in 91, and we left in September of 91. So we were there for nine years, mar- nine months married. Married, And... Um, and then he got a job with a sister international company in Mexico. Oh. And that we left Syria to go to Mexico. Wow. To work. He, yeah, he, he, you know, we came to the States just to visit his family on the way to Mexico um, and actually pick up the visa from New York City um, to Mexico. But that was a work visa that they had issued us. Oh, wow. Yeah. So oh. I came just for a month to meet his family to and go to New York and pick up the visa. And then we went to Mexico, which was very difficult for wow. me. That was a really, yeah. That big was change. A very big change. Very big. How long you guys stayed there? Two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you were working there too? I could. They. I didn't have a work visa, so I learned Spanish huh. instead. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I, th- I wasn't allowed. Another thing, we didn't know that you speak Spanish. Yeah. And I never knew that I was going to use my Spanish. I was like, this is just for fun, you know. <laughs> I'll learn Spanish. And then I would have never guessed that I was going to end up living oh, wow. in California. Are where you fluent now to the point? Pretty that, good. Do you actually have um, Spanish-speaking Spanish Spanish clients? clients really? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's huh. amazing. Yeah, I went to school. Oh, the, yeah, I went to school. Oh, wow. And yeah, the, actually, the company paid for us to go. They wanted us to speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they thought we were going to stay longer, but we didn't. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then after two years, you guys came back to... His contract ended and um, funding was changing with those centers. And we, you know, didn't have a job at that point. We bought, we flew to L.A. This was before we lived in California. This had nothing to do with us living here now. We just <laughs> flew to L.A. because that was the closest... A starting point he mr explorer came up with this idea that we're gonna f- fly to la we bought a beat up car honda little honda and oh. then he was like we have nothing to do let's go all over the united states so we're talking about what year this was 93 end of 93 okay yeah wow we bought a car we started he took me everywhere in la you know disneyland hollywood all that stuff that is just down the street now (laughs) and um then we drove up the coast the pacific coast visited every friend every like famous something to say yosemite 
national parks. Our goal was to visit all of our friends, anybody we know along the way, and go to all the national parks. That's this That's is so good. <laughs> that was fantastic. Camping. Didn't have oh. money to stay in hotels. Only when it was like really cold or rainy, we stayed in hotels. But we camped the whole way. Um, it was amazing. Went up the Pacific Coast, cross Washington, dropped down, you know, South Dakota, whatever. Oh, wow. Mount Rushmore, then Chicago area. We had a lot of friends there. And, you know, with six weeks on wow. the road. Covered most of the national parks that we could. Wow. And then got home just about Thanksgiving to be with the family, with and his family, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was the home. Was his parents' house. Okay. Yeah. And then what happened? How did you guys ended up coming to Here. California? So we lived with them for a year, I think, somewhere around there until he found a job. And it was hard for him to, to transition from that international system uh -huh. that he was into. Like he hasn't been in the States for a long time. So he adjusted, applied for jobs, thought he wanted a kind of job, didn't work out, applied for different jobs. And then he got a job with uh, a company, a breeding company in Mississippi. So we were ready to be on our own. So we moved to Mississippi. Wow. Yeah. We lived there for four years. He worked there. Ooh. Hot and humid. Hot and humid and different and loved it and hated it at the same time. Lots of good things about it. Lots of things I couldn't adjust to. Um and it was it was what it was our daughter was born there oh yeah and um it was you know we had a really nice home for five hundred thousand a month mortgage so oh. which five hundred probably still five hundred dollars a month <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was beautiful and it was hard at the same time but you know we put our time in and then he was unhappy with that job so he started applying for other jobs and um he got the job in california so now we've been here for 24 and a half years. wow mm -hmm. wow so this is as much as i've lived in syria i've lived in california california mm -hmm. oh wow <laughs> and um uh, when and how did you get um interested and in, when did you start studying for the major that oh right so i had a mechanical engineering degree from Syria. Oh, wow. Um, so in Syria, when you go to college, before you go to college for the 12th grade, you take this really, really giant <laughs> exit exam mm -hmm. um, to graduate high school, mm -hmm. basically. It was really hard. They tested you on everything that you've ever learned wow. your whole those 12, 13 years in school, really hard. Five books of math, three books of physics. It's just like for an entire year, I just stayed in my room and I studied mm -hmm. for this test. And then according to that score, then you can apply to certain universities. So you don't get to pick, basically. I so love that system. No, it's no, no. kind of the same as us. I don't know. About it's concours. Well, but but you but you don't have to do that in Iran. You don't have to do that in order to graduate graduate high school. Just it's just in order to enter. Oh, university. is this 
to be able to graduate or no, to, to enter university. To enter okay. university. Oh, okay. That's to the decide what university you can Yes, yes. So it is the same. We have, we have exactly mm-hmm. the same system. They call it concours. Mm-hmm. I don't know what is your. Yeah. I don't know if it hasn't, you know, you just like the total of your grades. Mm-hmm. It's like out of a change now, the numbers yeah. of whatever. But so, but they also rate careers mm-hmm. by their but importance. The, exactly. So it's exactly. like doctor, of course, you know, medical Hi. school is the highest, mm-hmm. followed by pharmacy, dentistry, um, and then even engineering, engineering is. Mm-hmm. The highest. The okay. highest is civil, then mm-hmm. architecture, then electrical, then mechanical. Right. And I'm like, no, mechanical is the hardest. And then, <laughs> um, you know, then you go down to the economics and law actually is not very high, strangely enough. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just like you study, you study, you just, then you just want the high score and then you get the high score and you're like, but I don't want to be a doctor. You know, it's like, and then you're like, what do you mean you don't want to be a doctor? Then you have to be an engineer. And it's like, but I don't want to be an engineer. So anyway, so I got enough grades. All my girlfriends and I had the almost exact same grade because we studied together all the time. And uh, we all went to mechanical engineering. And then they were there for two weeks and they were like, no, we're not doing this. And I'm the only one who stayed. Wow. Yeah, I just, they went to English literature and some of them went to like business school and I'm like, no, I'm staying here because I like math. Mm -hmm. And then my life kind of changed from there on because I Mm kind of split from my friends and, and I mean, I would see them, but it was just different and I met a different group of people and my life really took a a turn. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but I, you know, that, but I also struggled to finish because it was really, really hard. hard and there were some family circumstances that interfered. But so yeah, I had, I got my degree and, and then, you know, when I came with Peter, I couldn't, you know, I didn't work in Mississippi. No, I, I didn't work in Pennsylvania. I tempt because we never knew when we were going to move. Mexico couldn't work. Mississippi, I also tempt because I was trying to have a baby, had the baby, um, and then, you know, I had another child when I, you know, m- my son, when we moved to California and, and then when he was like two, I was like, okay, I need to have a career, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be an engineer anymore. <laughs> In Mississippi, I did work as an engineer. Oh. I did actually work as an engineer and I hated it. Really? I hated it. <laughs> I hated every minute of it, especially mechanical. Like I was literally always near machines and working with machines. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't care. I don't care if the machine broke. Um, <laughs> and I don't care how it's designed either. And I would always find myself talking to the people like that operated mm. the machines like, hey, how's your wife? How are your kids? You know, <laughs> it's the yeah, it was a human connection. Yeah, that was exactly. I just didn't care. So then I don't know. I was like, I started looking into you know, when I was in Mississippi, I don't remember why, but I was looking into like, what can I go back to school and do? Social work, social, you know, it was just like social work. Attract. I would read, literally read the brochures from the universities. And I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. You know, I don't know why. But then when I came here, I started seriously looking and I found a program in Northridge that had a, oh. an outreach here in Camarillo. Mm-hmm. It had a school, like, it's a Northridge program, but the classroom was in Camarillo. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I didn't even have to go. And I had to do, because I didn't have an undergrad in psychology, I had to do some prerequisites. Mm -hmm. So did that. 
and like you know slowly but surely my kids were little and then oh yeah and then good back to school wow then you graduated from northridge i did Huh. My degree is from Northridge. My Me too. Yeah. I was just that's where yeah, I went. Yeah, school. my school. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. And it's expanded so much. I don't know it's when you visit school. it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lately, they made it so beautiful and mm. big and like, uh, oh God, their auditorium is so beautiful. Oh. They have a lot of programs lately. Good. Okay. Yeah. Then you were graduated, and then right after that, you started because I think you guys have to pass a thousand uh, we hours have to intern, mm-hmm. uh, do basically a practicum for three thousand hours. Three thousand. So me, so three, four years, three years and a half, and then I have to take two board exams, and you have to pass really hard exams. Um, not as hard as that high school exam. <laughs> um, And, you know, you get licensed and Mm -hmm. once you have those board exams were for licensing reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I always knew I was going to work in private practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I when I was interning, I also dabbled with a lot of, you know, different issues. I worked with domestic violence, sexual assaults agencies um i worked with attachment foster care and adopted children and then i worked at hospice where we supported families who were losing someone to you know end of life issues chronic illnesses and then towards the end of the three thousand hours i joined a private practice that was in camarillo that was a really nice group of therapists and i asked one of them to supervise me and um, we became friends and then he asked me to, he said, when you get licensed, you and I are going to, you know, split off this private practice and maybe start. And I just realized as I'm talking to you guys that my very first client in the private practice mm-hmm. was actually Persian family. Oh, huh. really? Oh, wow. That's interesting. So intense. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Wow. I think it was my first family to work with who were of Middle Eastern background. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, it, oh, God. Yeah, and, and I think, well, the two things. First of all, I, I think one of your specialties is grief is also, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I worked at hospice. Okay. Yes. And then um, I, I like that you're saying that about that family because I, I don't know how many... Um, clients that you have that are kind of close to to this culture but I think that closeness in the culture Mm. um, probably I mean different parts of Middle East we all have different cultures but we're kind of close Mm -hmm. so I think understanding where they're coming from and what they've been through Mm -hmm. does that actually help um, to to understand their situation more or no is it well, they appreciated, I mean, you know, people from Middle Eastern background, just like when I would go to a therapist, I would ha- if I couldn't find a Middle Eastern therapist, which I didn't, mm-hmm. um, you would have to explain to them what is wrong with that situation uh-huh. before you, they explain to you what, yeah. what's wrong with you, you know. And it was like, well, there goes half an hour. <laughs> right so they appreciated somebody who's of middle eastern they didn't even need to explain because mm-hmm. they knew that i understood exactly so they would say remember this event mm-hmm. or remember this mm-hmm. war or remember this trauma and i would know exactly what they were talking about and then, then we just move on because i knew exactly how that could have affected them 
Um, sometimes I didn't, you know, I honestly, I worked with an Iranian couple that I had, I didn't know that how they escaped and mm -hmm. what mountains they literally, Ugh. that was like, I learned some new stories, but it was, you know, just like that particular area where they grew up and how they walked over the mountains to go to Turkey or, you know, that was fascinating, but I understood what trauma is because, you know, I in Syria, there's a lot of Palestinian refugees from the time I was growing up, and there's Armenian refugees. Yes. So there's well. people from all over the world. So I, that concept, and, and of course, Syria had been in war, and Syria had been in a civil war. So it was just all very familiar language that we, you know, you can speak to someone. So. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's it, I I have million questions and um, I don't want to get out of the loop right now because I I just want to finish with your life story first. Then you started right away, and then um, in the mid in the middle of like you know just the craziness of like world and everything, you start like your therapy and you started your own um firm practice. office right mm -hmm. yes and then you were practicing and at the same time also you were teaching when did you start teaching um actually on this i you know it's really funny i always tell people in the states i never applied for a job they i was always invited to join oh, wow. and maybe because i'm considered a minority and they had to you know keep it on their books <laughs> i don't know why But um, I started my own, after I, you know, partnered with that individual who had invited me, I ended up kind of going out on my own, although he helped me a lot, but I just found that I wanted to work by myself, um, have my own space, you know, I just liked my own space. And um, I, in the same year that I opened my private practice, um, a professor from Cal Lutheran, he's a local university, um, he called me and he was like, um, our culture diversity uh, professor is white from the Midwest and she's never left the United States. And I'm just finding it very hard that she should be teaching this class. I'm kind of embarrassed. And I was like, good for you. He goes, well, can you teach it? And I was like, hmm, when does it start? I'm going to Syria. I'm always like, all my plans are according to, I'm going to Syria in the summer. I don't know how I can help you. And it, it just worked out. I was, you know, it was at a time where I would be back from my vacation in Syria. And, and I started teaching cultural diversity. That's my first class. Um, and then, then I started teaching other classes. And I stayed there for about nine years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pepperdine. Uh, no, Cal Lutheran. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. you, you I was there for nine years. I taught on main campus, and then I requested to just stay in Oxnard. The drive was mm -hmm. getting hard. And and then during COVID, I also taught at um, a private university in Santa Barbara. It's called Antioch. Oh. I, call, I taught there during COVID, and I kind of assistant taught at a university called Pacifica also in Santa Barbara. So I dabbled with, um, they all have very different approaches mm -hmm. in therapy, which, you know, right, is very right. specific to our mm -hmm. profession. Um, and I had to kind of like, you know, model their approach, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, but it was very interesting. It's really nice to build relationships with people. 
I just cracked up just yesterday. Um, my daughter got a job. She's a therapist now. She just graduated and she got a job and she was reading me the email that she got um, from the firm, from the agency, and she was reading the whole email and she was like, and your supervisor will be so-and-so. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. She was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, that's my student and was oh my, my intern. Oh She's going to be your supervisor. I just thought it was so, I just made my heart so happy. That oh is so God. cute. I know. That's so amazing. Cute. Oh, that's the best feeling yeah. in the world. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Tell us about your family. My American family or my Syrian family? <laughs> All <laughs> that's of them. That's what I call them. them. Whatever you want to share with us. Oh, we're not well, going to force you to tell us. I just, you know, there's <laughs> two Nahids. You know, there's the American girl and there's yep. the Arabic girl. And she mm -hmm. plays, you know, that's, I'm sure you guys understand yep. that, right? Um, they're both really lovely people. Good people. <laughs> yes, we love both of them. <laughs> um, yeah, my husband, you know, he's wonderful. He has his job and my kids are... 26 and 23 they both graduated they it was really an amazing trip to raise both of them they're very different people and you just have to kind of go with who they are and with their flow and what they needed and and um you know you're watching generations change and how they you look at how they handle their own uh struggles in life and how I was at their age and how they are now at their age. And they we're so different. Mm -hmm. um, I always tell my daughter, if you lived my life, you would be dead now because you just couldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to survive. You would be like, that's too many things. I just could handle a couple. So no, thank you. Um, and it, it's hard. It's hard to watch them, you know, be, um, I don't want to say privileged, but I think they are privileged, you know, to have access to everything they needed. And they still seem to be not knowing, you know, if this is happiness or not. Mm -hmm. So that's I think that's a really insight that I'm looking at this the generation of like the Gen Z's and the millennials and just watching the generations change. And now, you know, I work with teenagers and it just, you know, it's very interesting to watch how. They're, the generations are changing. It makes me feel old, but it also makes me feel like, wow, life really does change from decade to decade. Mm -hmm. You know, each generation come with their own belief system and resiliency and difficulty and what they consider trauma and what they don't. Exactly. Um, so that has been fun to watch. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm very proud of my kids. They're responsible and most importantly they're very kind and that's the most thing that i that i care about it's like they're good people that's all i care about um yeah and you know i play tennis which apparently means i'm gonna have longevity in my life because it's uh -huh, a absolutely. sport that apparently makes you live longer that's why you haven't changed a bit that's right <laughs> i don't know about that um have you know my tennis friends are my family also you know I don't have family here so my friends my tennis friends and my colleagues are like family to me because I don't have family um and it's been really amazing to have that privilege for me 
And in Syria, my family is my mom and my brother. It's a very small family. Um, my parents were divorced. My dad passed a long time ago. Oh. Um, and, you know, we're very, very, very close. My And I have a, a special relationship with each of them. And um, my niece and nephew, you know, in Syria, my nephew now lives in Belgium. He's traveled and had to get out during the war and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I mean, when I go home, I'm going to always go call it home, mm-hmm. yeah. Syria. I just feel complete happiness, like nothing measures to this. I don't care how chaotic and dirty and loud and hot and sweaty it's just it's home it's perfectness it's home Mm -hmm. it's so hard actually um marzi should we stop right now and then um like um sure yeah sure yeah or you want to go no no. okay then uh, i'm gonna stop for right now um 